Thank you. Morning, everyone. It's great to uh, it's great to be bringing God's word to you this morning on a, an amazing, amazing subject. We continue our series in grace, and we look at grace that forgives. And uh, my wife's just currently exercising that towards me as she says, "I didn't know about the bonfire night." It's like, ah, did I? Did I not tell you that? Sorry, sorry, dear. Yes, there's a bonfire night on the second uh, of uh, November. Uh, yes. Anyway, anyway. Uh, The gospel makes it clear to us that we deserve, um, we are saved from God's judgment through grace and faith in Jesus' life and his death for the cross. We don't earn it. We can't add to it. It's a complete work of God that is given to us as a gift. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We were in Adam and now we're in Christ. It's like being on a bus that is headed for destruction and changing and going onto a bus that is headed for life. This, this expression of, of being in Christ is actually one of Paul's favorite expressions. He uses that phrase or a similar phrase over 164 times in his letters. By grace, We, as Christians, um, are are in Christ, and our legal status before God has been changed. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for him. So this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. Jerry Bridges, in his book on the discipline of grace, says this, We are saved by grace, and we are also sanctified by grace as well. The word sanctified basically means that it's God helping you to live and think in a way that pleases, that pleases him. Uh, it literally means set apart for God. Your life is set apart for, for God. You see, so you don't get saved when you put your faith in Jesus and then have to try and please God and, and do the good works in your, in your own effort. No, 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 that grace that saved you, that led for you to be forgiven, is also the grace that enables you to live for God, enables you to live a life that can please your heavenly Father in heaven. It's, he, he, it's that grace that enables you to do those good works that he prepared beforehand for you to walk in. You know, recently, it's getting towards um, uh, autumn now. You can feel it in the, in the weather. Um, we, we bought a hedge trimmer, and I was, uh, I was trimming the hedges uh, as you do. They're fantastic devices, aren't they? They just make trimming the hedge so easy. And that bit's gone, and that bit's gone. And I was just getting into it, and I was just coming up to the end, and you guessed it, and I went through the wire, and bang, this explosion happened, and uh, I was glad I wasn't too uh, close to it, and fuses and all that sort of thing blew, even though I had this trip plug that didn't seem to work, but anyway, um, don't tell Rob Sutton, otherwise I'll be in trouble. Oh, hello Rob. Uh, uh, but uh, yes, uh, uh, it, 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 this, this device that I had bought that was fit for purpose, it was great was all of a sudden there, motionless, powerless, no longer able to do the job it was designed for, 
or to do the job that I had chose it for. It had to be connected to the power source in order for it to work properly. And I want you to keep that image in mind. Not the fact that I nearly killed myself by chopping it through. God, God spared me that. But the fact that that hedge trimmer was useless as long as it wasn't connected to the, to the power source. You see, because the same grace that saves you is also the grace that sanctifies you. Remember this today, because we're looking at grace to forgive today, or grace that, that forgives. And there's just two simple points I want to bring to you this morning. Firstly is, by grace we are forgiven. And then secondly, by grace we can forgive. For the grace of God enables us to be forgiven through Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit, it empowers us so that we can forgive. So by grace, we're forgiven. Let's look at my first point, and the, the text should come up on the screen behind me. The Apostle Paul, he sums up the gospel to us in three verses in Colossians 2, and he says this, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Paul highlights the fact that although we're alive, actually in terms of our relationship with God, we are dead. And this broken relationship is actually what the Bible teaches us leads to our physical death uh, as well. In the Old Testament, the reason why Paul brings up un uh, uh, circumcision there, in the Old Testament, circumcision was a sign that the people of Israel belonged to God. And so what he's saying there is, look, you were dead. You, there's no way a dead person can save themselves. You were dead before God. And also, you didn't even belong to God. There's no hope of us saving ourselves. We weren't even interested in God. Certainly, that's many of our experience before we became a Christian. But God is the one who intervenes. It's God who took the initiative to reach out and to save us and make us alive in Christ. God is the one who, through, his, through Jesus' perfect life, he who never sinned, chose to take on himself your sin and my sin so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know God, we could know his goodness towards us. That's the grace of of God. It's freely given to us, and we are freely forgiven in Christ Jesus. All the things we've ever done, all the things we've ever said, which is much more, and all the things we've ever thought that is offensive to God, He takes. And remember, God remembers everything, so they're always before Him, they're always like recorded before Him. And He takes them, and He, when you put your faith in Jesus, places them on Jesus, on the cross. They get nailed to the cross, as it says here, so that we can be 
forgiven. We can be made righteous. Got the legal demands of God's law, of God's righteousness, are met in Jesus. His wrath against the things that we've done wrong are poured out on him. And in his grace and in his love, through faith in Jesus, that all that divine justice, all that righteous wrath against those things are put on Jesus instead of coming towards us. On Christ on the cross willingly takes on himself our sin. So as Paul could write in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. It's God's grace Once you put your faith in Christ, that you are forgiven through God's grace. You're forgiven. Everything that you've done wrong can be forgiven. You see, God ultimately is a main person who is affected by our sin. Even because he's intricately involved in your life. Even if you don't know him, actually, the Bible says he's the one who gives you your very next breath. And whether you acknowledge it or not, the Bible is very clear. There is a spiritual realm around us at work influencing us. Jesus is clear that the devil and his gang are there only to steal, to kill, and to destroy life. And you look at the world around and you, you can see that. They're, they're a bit like the older sibling who, who comes along and uh, who tries to encourage you to be naughty. Say, yeah, go and do that, go and do that, it'll be really fun. And as soon as you do it, they're the ones that go, Mom, Mom, that's what they're like. They encourage you to do things. And then the Bible says they're there accusing you before God of what you have done wrong. But through Jesus, all those authorities, all those spiritual authorities above us have been silenced because we receive forgiveness through Christ. They have no claim over our lives because we are in Christ. Our lives are hidden in Christ, forgiven completely. We come under his protection. Can we enter into his goodness, his righteousness? Christ has triumphed over them. So we are free. Now you need to understand with forgiveness... That actually, it's not, it's not something that is, it's no small thing that God chooses to forgive us. It's not just like you say, oh, it doesn't matter, I'll, I'll forget it. You see, anything we do that the Bible would call sin is offensive to God, even if it's directed towards another person. So if I, you know, if I was to uh, end up having a, a fight with, with, with Duncan and... Uh, Later, later, yeah. Well, we have a fight later, um, and, uh, uh, and 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 he hurts me. Let's put it that way around. Let's put it that way. And he, he, <laughs> and, he and he hurts me. Uh, actually, what is going on there is he is hurting somebody, or you are hurting somebody when you have a, a, a fight with somebody, metaphorically speaking here, although maybe physically. But uh, um, you are hurting somebody that God loves very much. Also, you yourself are made in the image of God. You're supposed to reflect God to all the people around you. 
Therefore, you're not doing that very well. So we're offending God on many levels when we, when we don't live how he ought to. And God is the one, as our creator and as our sustainer, who is responsible for all life. And therefore, he has to bring about justice. He is the judge of all the earth. And he judges perfectly, and he cannot ignore it, otherwise he would cease to be good if he just let anything go. So, which is why by ourselves we have no help, no hope of saving ourselves because we can't undo all the things that we have done wrong, which we've all done many, I've done, done, done loads. However, in Christ, we receive that forgiveness Notice in the passage that's up on the screen behind you that, that it says we, rec- we receive uh, forgiveness for all our trespasses. They're all forgiven in Christ. It's a complete work of God in Christ. Your past sins, your present sins, your future sins are dealt with by Christ on the cross. Completely forgiven by God through Jesus Christ. It sounds too good to be true, but that's what the Bible teaches. It causes people to stop and say, hang on a second, if you're saying that, does that mean I can then go on and live how I want to live? I can go and do what I want? Well, theoretically, that you could, but if you're truly born again, you can not. The Apostle Paul, you see, was accused of the very same thing. And this is his answer that he gives in the book of Romans. Romans 6, verses 1 to 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound, that grace may, may continue to increase? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. You see, for those of us who are truly born again, when you've truly come to that relationship with Christ, where you've surrendered your life to him, actually, while you may sometimes struggle with sin, while even sometimes there may be a sinful pattern that you fall into for a season, the Holy Spirit inside of you will be convicting you, will be working on your conscience and changing you from the inside out so that you realize, I can't live like this anymore. I've got to live to please God. And he's the one that leads you to regularly, to regularly come to God and ask for fresh forgiveness as you understand for the deeper levels of sin in your heart, as you peel back the onion, you think, oh my goodness, there's another layer. I didn't even realize I was like that. Oh, I didn't even realize that th- th- there was this uh, in me. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that does that. Do you know that the house that me and Anna currently live in is our sixth house that we've lived in since we've been married? And uh, so, you, so you can imagine, in that time, six places we've lived in, lots of rooms, lots of decorating has occurred in that time. Now, looking at Chris, I shan't say much if any decorating has been done well 
in the house, but decorating has occurred to the level that me and Anna can, 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 can do in that time. And do you know, I've learned something over, over this time. I've learned that it's actually quite tricky to paint a wall white, as simple as it sounds, but to paint a wall white, to make it completely white well when the lighting is suboptimal, when the light's not there. Is that, you know, you're there and you think, yep, I've done it. And my methodical painting method means that it's going to be perfectly covered all over that wall and we go to sleep happy that night and slightly high from all the paint fumes because we never opened the windows properly and all that sort of thing. And uh, you wake up in the morning, want to go and admire your good work, and you look at the wall, and in the morning sunlight, you say, ah, I would say there's a few little touch-up jobs needed here and there. Anna would say there's a lot of extra painting still required. I'll let you work out which one you think's right, but anyway. Um, you see, and over time, that same wall, when the sunlight shines on it, it reveals all the imperfections that it's got over time, the dirty fingerprints from, I like to say the kids, but sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's me. But uh, uh, yeah. uh, anyway, and, uh, and, and other things, and grease stains that were, you painted over, and they just come back, keep coming back through. And, uh, and that, that, that sort of thing. You see, the better quality of light reveals the imperfections that, that are there. They become more visible. And the Holy Spirit, his job is to shine the light of Christ on us, to help us behold the glory of the Lord, so that you and I may be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The Bible tells us in, in 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 18. You see, the closer we get to Jesus, the more amazing you realize he is. The more wonderful and holy he is. And the more you realize your own imperfections and your own shortcomings before him. You know, the Apostle Peter, when he was first realizing who Jesus is, he we get this wonderful account in Luke chapter 8. Jesus just performed a miracle on Peter's boat. But, and this is what happens in verse 8. It says, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. But Jesus turned to him and said, Do not be afraid. And then it goes on to say, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And that's the truth of what God's grace does for you and what it does for me. It helps us to see how awesome, how holy, how amazing Jesus is and our need for him. And yet, it also helps us to realize how sinful we are, how many things in our own life are out of kilter from where they should be. And it causes us to think, oh my goodness, I realize I don't deserve to be anywhere near this man. But Jesus doesn't turn to you and say, get away from me. He doesn't give us what we deserve. No, in his grace, he gives us what we don't deserve. And he says, don't be afraid. And he gives us that wonderful calling of come and follow me. 
And I'll make you fish. I'll make you somebody who fishes men, somebody who catches men and women up in the purposes of God. That's the grace of God towards us. We are forgiven and saved completely by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has specific good works for each one of you to walk in. Turn to the person next to you and say, God has good works for you to do. He does. He has specific good works for each one of us to walk in. But going back to that hedge trimmer example, just think of that. That line of power that the grace of God wants to flow out through your life can be cut. Not, not in terms of salvation. We're saved and all our trespasses are, are forgiven. But in terms of power to live effectively for God. And one of the biggest stoppers of God's grace working effectively through you. And actually, it's one of the worst sins that we as Christians can commit is to live in unforgiveness of other people. So strong are the warnings in the Bible to Christians about living in unforgiveness. It, it actually calls into question whether you have truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ or not. Because Jesus is very clear. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And it's very clear, his commandments over, over unforgiveness. So by grace, we are forgiven. And then my last point, by grace, we can forgive. Jesus taught this in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6. He taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven the sin, uh, those who sin against us. The Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 4. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That same grace that saved you and forgave you is now wanting to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus, make you live in a way that pleases Jesus. And that involves not only you pointing people to Jesus and saying, actually, you can get forgiveness through, through him, but also you demonstrating that forgiveness to those around you. Jesus is very clear on this, that as Christians, we have to forgive and live in forgiveness. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35, and you'll see how strong Jesus is on this subject. You can imagine the scene, someone's probably just annoyed Peter, and so Peter's like, oh, do I have to forgive this guy again? So he comes up to Jesus, and he says this in verse 21 of Matthew 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? It's always brothers, isn't it? Brothers and sisters that seem to annoy you the, the, the most, particularly when you're younger. Uh, as many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent, one talent, was the equivalent to 20 years' wages of an average worker. So 10,000 talents is just a ridiculous amount. There's no way anyone's going to be able to pay that back. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. Of course, there's no way he really could. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Denarii was one average day's wage, so still a lot of money, 100, 100 days, but it's you know, payable. And seizing him, he began to choke him and saying, pay what you owe. But his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He says the same thing to him. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. You can see that warning is so strong there to Christians. It's actually caused some Christians to say, well, well maybe then through unforgiveness I can block my own forgiveness. I can, I can you know, stop God forgiving me. It seems so, so clear there. I would say to you, you're on safer and more robust ground theologically if you, if you see that, that Jesus gives such a strong warning so as to steer his people, his sheep, away from that cliff edge of unforgiveness. Because Jesus says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's why the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2 verse 19 can be so confident about the false teachers. He says this of them. He says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They would have continued to listen to their master's voice if he truly was their master. And the Apostle Paul writes this in, in Philippians 1 verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So Jesus' warning is so strong and so clear so that his sheep know that they cannot dwell in unforgiveness and they have to forgive. Because as a believer, we have no right to hold on to any unforgiveness when we ourselves have been forgiven so much. You see, unforgiveness, and actually it's, it's medically proved that unforgiveness can, uh, can affect your body physically, but unforgiveness is like a cancer, and it grows inside of you. It spreads bitterness 
and resentment. It's like a weed that grows up and chokes out the life of God in your life. It, it robs you of the joy of your salvation. And it's actually sinful as a Christian to hold on to unforgiveness because the Bible is so clear on it. So can I encourage you to bring it to God now if there's unforgiveness in your life. Allow him to bring justice in that situation. And he will. He will either bring it through that person turning to Jesus and Jesus paying the punishment for those wicked things or those things that have happened or on judgment day, every wrong will be righted. Either way, that wrong will be fully paid for. But you, who have been forgiven so much by God, have no choice but to forgive. We have to forgive as our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. Oswald Chambers, the guy that wrote My Utmost for His Highest, which I'm sure some of you would have read. Well, in World War I, as an old man, he decided he'd go out amongst the troops and he'd be a chaplain amongst them. And he, he would uh, teach them. And, and he was uh, going through the book of Ecclesiastes with them. And he said this. Never, remember the context is saying this in as well, World War I troops. Never waste your time looking for justice. But if you do, before long, you'll put yourself in a bandage and give way to self-pity. Our business is to see that nobody suffers from our injustice. So don't worry what people have done to you. Make sure you're not doing anything to anybody else. Thomas Akempis, in his classic book, The Imitation of Christ, says this. All too quickly... We feel and resent what we suffer at the hands of others, but remain indifferent to the sufferings we inflict on other people. Guess what? The things that you and I do that are wrong impact the people around us in our lives. Therefore, we have to regularly go to God and ask for forgiveness for the things that we've done, and also go to other people and ask for their forgiveness too. But the same is true for them. And actually, they're also going to have an impact on your life. The things they do are going to end up hurting us. If you live with anybody in close proximity, that is what is going to happen. So can I encourage you just to be quick to forgive them? Most of the time, people aren't even aware of it. And you can just forgive. You don't have to make a big issue out of it or, or, or raise it uh, with them. Just, just forgive and just say, oh, they're obviously having a bad day or, or something else was on, on their mind. Where it's a deliberate act or a regular thing that, that, that keeps happening, then that issue does need to be lovingly raised with them. My, my children sometimes say to me, they say, oh, the, uh, I'm just telling the truth. The Bible says you must speak the truth. I say, yes, it does, but it says speak the truth in love. There's a big difference between just speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love. So to, to help you do that, in the first instance, I'll tell you to, or encourage you to go and speak to your life group leader and say, look, this thing keeps happening. Can you help me to make sure I deal with this situation in in love. But you know, there are people here today as well with some big hurts, 
in your life. And I'm not trying to, to make light of them. There's some deep areas of pain in your heart. And they do need to be handed over to Jesus. But it'll be, be more tricky for you. It'll be, deep, it'll be a harder road for you. Make that decision today that you are going to forgive that person. It may take months for your emotions to catch up with the decision that you have made. It may be that you need people to come alongside you and to help you walk that difficult road um, in forgiving people. And actually, we have a pastoral team. If you're in the pastoral team, can I ask you to, to stand, please? You should have uh, been uh, e- emailed this week. Some, people, some of them are away, like Chris and Lynn, but they, you can see around the room there's people here who are in the pastoral team. If there's these, some of these deep areas, yeah, I think you can sit down in, in your life. You're thinking, I need some help in, in this to walk in unforgiveness. And go and see one of these people, and they will help you walk free from this issue. But it starts today with you deciding, I'm going to forgive my spouse for that. I'm going to forgive my mother or my father or whoever it is that has wronged you for that, that issue. And you come to God saying, Father, thank you that you have forgiven me so much. I choose to forgive this person for this issue. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be more like Jesus. That's where it starts. And you will need, if it's one of these bigger issues, you'll need to walk it through with one of these people that I've said. Don't choose to stay in the cage of unforgiveness. It's you who are the loser if, if you do, where you're not free to go near that person or to go near that subject because it just it causes a reaction in you. So you have to stay in that cage so you, you keep away from that situation. Trust the judge of all the earth to deal with it and know the freedom of a grace that forgives. My friends, for those of you here who don't have big areas that you think, oh, actually, I don't have big areas of unforgiveness that I need to deal with, well, praise God for that. However, there will be lots of small areas that, uh, that, that come your way that could so easily put you in a bandage and think, oh, oh you know, why do people treat me like this? Why? It's so unfair. They're so, they're so mean to me. Be quick to forgive and be quick to ask for forgiveness of other people so that the grace of God can flow through your life into the world around you and you can know the freedom and the joy of a grace that forgives. For the grace of God enables us to be forgiven through Jesus Christ and through his Holy Spirit it enables us to forgive. Amen? I'm going to invite the the band to come back up here. There are people here today who don't know Jesus. And as I've been speaking and, and talking about how amazing he is and our need for forgiveness you've begun to think, actually, I know that's me. I'm in that situation. Uh, I, I realize that I've done things wrong and I need his forgiveness. Can I encourage you 
just ask everyone to just bow their heads a moment. Can I encourage you to pray this prayer along with me? Jesus has the best for you. He has life, and life in all its fullness, as we've been singing about. He has, he has a better future for you than you have for yourself. So I can encourage you just to pray this prayer along with me. It's a prayer of surrender to God and a prayer to receive his forgiveness. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me enough to send Jesus to die on that cross for me. Please forgive me of all that I have done that offends you. Through the power of your Spirit, help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen.